You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're back in the book of Jeremiah, and we started this back, I was looking through the records, I just, I couldn't believe how long it's been. I ended the Wednesday a week before Thanksgiving. Then, if you remember, my brother uh, Joel was here for our Thanksgiving service, and we had uh, Joel preaching in the auditorium, and we had Landon preaching in the, well, he was auctioneering in the Evans building, and we had that great service. Then after that, we kind of shifted gears for December, and some of our men preached uh, some Christmas messages in December, and of course, the last two Wednesdays, we've not been in Jeremiah either. But I want to get back in. We're back in Jeremiah. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 7. If you'll turn there, please. Jeremiah chapter 7. And uh, I don't know how long it'll take us to get through this book. Um, I'm, I'm not in a hurry. Uh, but I also I don't want to uh, slow it any more than what it needs to be. But also, I don't want us to miss anything. And I, I just believe that the Bible is all important. Do you believe that? Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, every bit of it. And I believe God has something for you tonight. Uh, I believe God has something for me. I know he does because he's already spoken to me in studying this passage. Jeremiah uh, is a book that was written. It's really a compilation of sermons from Jeremiah to the people of Judah. Now, these were God's chosen people. They still are, by the way, but... God's chosen people who, at one time, they were so close to God. At one time, they were in love with God, and they were, they were fired up about serving God and worshiping God and, and following God, and then something happened. And it was not something that happened overnight. It was something that happened very gradual. It's this thing called backsliding. And it could happen to every one of us in this room without exception, from the pulpit to the pew. None of us are exempt from backsliding. Backsliding is something that happens because we have an old nature, the flesh, that is warring against us. And sometimes backsliding takes place simply because of laziness. We stop reading the Bible. We stop praying. We stop going to church. We stop... Uh, uh, working and striving to please God, and we just get lazy. Sometimes backsliding happens because of pride. We see some great victories, and we see God do some great things in our lives, and maybe we even reference the past, and we say, I remember back 20 years ago, or I remember back 10 years ago, or I remember five years ago, I remember last year, and I remember when, when, when God did this in my life. Wonderful. I hope you are thankful and I hope you praise God for it. But just because God did something for you in the past does not mean that he's uh, uh, on a, uh, a requirement that he's got to do it for you today if you and I are not walking with him. And if you and I are not praying, if we're not seeking his face. And so it could happen to any one of us. And as we go through this, this book, what I've tried to do is I've tried to make applications to my own life. Yes, this was written to Judah, but I want to tell you God's word uh, it, uh, it spans the ages and the centuries, and it is still powerful today like it was when Jeremiah preached it. 
verse number 1 of Jeremiah chapter 7. It says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. That's a powerful statement right there. Jeremiah had a word that was straight from the mouth of God. You imagine if you uh, had on your caller ID and it said the caller ID was God. Jehovah God was calling you. And boy, I tell you what, you wouldn't want to push ignore. You wouldn't want to miss that call. You wouldn't want to skip over that call. You'd want to push uh, the, the button to say, I'm answering this. And you'd want to be all ears if God was going to speak to you in 2020. Well, I got something better than a phone call. I got something better than a, an email or a text message or a certified letter. I hold in my hands and you hold in your hands a copy of the Word of God. And this is what God wants us to know. And this is what God wants us to heed. It's the Word of God. And Jeremiah preached the message. And here's the message. It says, stand in the gate of the Lord's house. That was the entryway where all the people would come to worship God. And God told Jeremiah, proclaim there this word. This was not a message for the heathen nations. This was not a message for the unsaved or the lost. This was a message for God's people coming to worship him and say, hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if ye truly amend your ways and your doings, if ye truly or completely execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then, God says, if you will do these things, then will I cause you or allow you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers. And by the way, that was a wonderful land. It was the land that God promised the nation of Israel. We call it the promised land. It was a land that is, was flowing with milk and honey. It was a land that they came back and uh, they, they couldn't even carry the clusters of the grapes because of the richness and the fatness of that land. You say, well, what about today? Today, that land is still the most desired real estate on planet Earth. The nations of the Middle East are still fighting over that little sliver of land, which, by the way, God gave them much more. But even what the, the nation of Israel has left, the nations of the world, they want that land. And God said, I will allow you to dwell here. Notice what it says in verse number seven, forever and ever, if you will do, if you will follow, if you will heed what I've told you to do. Lord, help us to capture these truths from your word tonight. I pray that you'd speak to us and may there be many things tonight that we would take and apply to our lives. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd tap us on the shoulder. 
I pray that you would point out some things from your word tonight that we need and that we must get right and that we must uh, uh, take seriously. I pray you'd help us. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was preached at the gate of the temple. The word of God had been found and God's people were going to the temple to worship God, but inwardly they were not worshiping God. They were doing it on the outside. They were doing it uh, uh, for a show. They were doing it maybe to impress their neighbor or to impress their family. But inwardly, they were not worshiping. Inwardly, they were drifting from God. We see this message was being preached to people that were coming to church. You say, well, I didn't know that people that came to church actually needed preaching. You know, I mean, I thought that if you just came to church and you sat on a pew, you were good to go. Well, guess what I found out? That people coming to church need preaching, just like people that don't come to church. The good thing is you're here. And the good thing is you've put forth the effort, and I commend you for it. But now that you're here, God's got something for you. Uh, I, I think about, and I've used this before, but many times we'll have an invitation and somebody will come forward. And maybe at times you think, boy, the same people always go forward. They must be the worst sinners in the house. No, probably not. They're probably the most sensitive. They're probably the ones who are working the most to try to stay right with God and close with God. And I believe that we must come to the house of God, but we must get something from the preaching. It's not enough just to come. It's not enough just to show up, although that's good. We must get something while we're here. It'd be like saying, I'm going to the grocery store. My family needs groceries. The cupboards are empty. The refrigerator, it's empty. And I went to the grocery store and I walked through that whole store, but I didn't bring anything home. Well, that doesn't accomplish much. When you come to church, I hope you take something home with you. I hope you get some, some meat from the Word of God. I hope you get some strength and some encouragement. And I hope you get some help from the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. This book was written for our prophet. The Bible says of itself that it is profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Notice verse number uh, three. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings. Let's start with that word amend. We use that word uh, many times to uh, maybe in talking about a financial matter or maybe taxes and we say you've got to go back and you've got to amend. You've got to fix something. This word amend, it literally means just to make it right, to make it pleasing. The Bible says that our ways ought to please who? When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, the greatest thing you can do to get along with the people at work is to start trying to please God. And if you and I will please God, you'll be amazed at how these relationships, the horizontal relationships, actually work out pretty well. You'll be amazed at how well your marriage will be and your children and your family and your, your job and your ministry, how those relationships will be so much better when your relationship is right vertically. When your relationship with the Lord is right, it's amazing how other things uh, are well also. But the Bible says, amend your ways and 
your doings. Now that's interesting because there's two words here. One is the word ways. That word ways, it, it, it has the idea of, of talking about your habits. Now we all have habits, do we not? Some are good habits, like uh, taking a bath, that's a great habit. Uh, brushing your teeth, that's a great habit. Um, uh, cleaning up after yourself at the house or at the job. I mean, those are some good habits. But did you know sometimes as Christians, we develop some poor habits? And this passage says that God's people needed to amend. They needed to make right their habits. You know what's sad is sometimes as Christians, we get in the habit of gossiping. And we're not, we're not trying to hurt anybody. We're not setting out to, I'm going to tear somebody down. I'm going to just, no, no, we're not setting out. But we're just in the habit of, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, did you hear about that? And we get in the habit. Sometimes we get in a habit of being critical. And, and, and over time, we're not trying. It's just our second nature. We're critical of the boss. We're critical of the school. We're critical of the church. We're critical of the Sunday school. We're critical of the bus. We're critical of the choir. And, and, and next thing you know, you, you start to listen to yourself and you think, wow, there's not a whole lot of positive coming out of my mouth. Friend, that's a, that's a, that's a sinful habit to be critical. It's a sinful habit to be a gossip. It's a sinful habit to start using words or language that is not pleasing to God. And it starts out maybe, oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh, I can't believe I did that. But if we don't deal with it, it becomes a habit. It says amend your, uh, your, your ways, speaking of your habits, and your doings. That is the things we do, the individual separate acts that we are responsible for. God says amend your ways, verse 3, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Now, you say, what's the significance of God saying that they could dwell in that place? Well, they are, because of their sin and their backsliding, God is preparing for them to go into captivity. Anybody know what nation was going to take them captive? The Babylonians. The Chaldeans are, are synonymous, but the children of, of God, the people of Judah, would go into Babylonian captivity. Anybody know for how many years? 70 years. They would go into captivity 500 miles from their home and they would live out, many of them would live out the rest of their days in a foreign place against their will as captives. And God says it doesn't have to be that way. You could stay here. You could be in your place where God has blessed you and where God has uh, uh, prospered you. If you will amend your doings, God says, you can dwell in this place. Notice verse 4. God tells Jeremiah, he says, tell the people this, trust ye not in lying words. Notice again in verse 8. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Now, the lying words... I believe as we study the book of Jeremiah, I believe these particular words that Jeremiah warned them, he said, don't trust these lying words. I believe these were the words of the false prophets. The false prophets told the people of Judah, they said, 
you're fine. You're not going to be taken by the Babylonians. You're not going to be destroyed. And here's why. And here was, their, here was their, their whole emphasis. They said, because you are God's people and you have the temple. And this is the place where God has put his name. This is Jerusalem. This is Judah. You are special. You can live however you want. And God's not really going to judge you. You're okay. Those were, I believe, the lying words that Jeremiah warned the people of. Now, I don't know what the lying words are that you have fallen prey to or you have fallen into the trap of, but there's some lying words that Satan has given out to Christians today and they are buying in and they are falling for it hook, line, and sinker. I'll give you a few for instance. This is not in the passage here. I think, I think there's one or two I'll show you in a minute, but... Can I tell you, it is a lie of the devil for you and I as Christians to think that we don't need the Bible anymore. That's a lie. You say, I've heard it before. I've taught it before. I've been to Sunday school my whole life. I've been to church. I don't need the Bible anymore. I don't need to read it. I don't need to go to prayer meeting and Bible study. I don't need to go to Sunday school. I don't need to go to Sunday morning. I don't need to go to Sunday night. I don't need to go to revival. I don't need that anymore. I'm good. That's a lie. Can I tell you, you need the Bible and I need the Bible every day of our lives. And you say, oh, I'm, I'm getting too much Bible. I highly doubt that. I've not met too many of those folks, but I've met a lot of them that you could wipe the dust off it wasn't just the dust off their Bible, it was the dust off their heart. And it was the coldness of their heart because they believed a lie. I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I can, here's another one, I can live however I want to live. You can live however you want to live. If you're saved, you can live however you want to live and you will still go to heaven. Say, oh, pastor, I can't believe you said that. No, it's true. Because salvation is not gained by works and salvation is not lost by works. Salvation is a gift. It's the gift of God, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But it's a lie from the devil. It's a lie from some of these so-called preachers of today that you as a child of God can live however you want to live and don't let anybody try to tell you differently. That's a lie. I tell you, you can't live however you want to live. You have been bought with the price and you and I ought to glorify God in our bodies because God is the one who owns us. God is the one who has purchased us. You can't live however you want to live. Here's a lie. Sometimes we trust in these lying words. I don't have to be different from the world. I don't have to be different from the world. Well, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. My Bible says we're supposed to be a peculiar. We're supposed to be a different. We're supposed to be sanctified and set apart and holy and consecrated to God. But as Christians, we hear it long enough and we hear it often enough and we start to believe it. I've got more. I'll give you another one. Here's a lie. I know I'm not right with God now, 
but I will get right with God later. Probably not. First of all, you don't know you're going to have later. Uh, we're not guaranteed we've got tomorrow. We're not guaranteed we've got till 8 o'clock tonight. We're not guaranteed we've got tomorrow. But I'll tell you this, the longer you put off getting right with God, here's a great example right here, the people of Judah. God warned them, Jeremiah preached, they didn't get right, they didn't get right. And when you don't get right, here's what happens. You don't get softer to the truth, you get harder to the truth. It's like the alarm clock. Now, I've used that example before, but it's like the alarm clock. When that alarm first goes off, if you don't get up, you just let it go. Now, I, I, I would not have believed this were possible except for I went to college with people who they could sleep through an alarm, a loud alarm. They could sleep through it for an hour. It got to where people would just unplug the alarm um, people would, they do other stuff too. But I mean, it's like people, the longer you let it go and you don't deal with it, you don't become more sensitive to the things of God when you put off getting right, you get hardened to it. You become callous, you become indifferent. And Jeremiah said, you are trusting in lying words. He said, it's time to amend your ways, verse number three. Notice verse number five, for if ye truly amend your ways and your doings, Jeremiah said, you've got to get right with God. But notice verse number four. The people had fallen into the trap that they talked about the temple. That was like their, that was like their catchphrase. We've got the temple. And notice what it says three times. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. Can I tell you, I love Victory Baptist Church but Victory Baptist Church, because I belong to Victory Baptist Church, that of itself does not make me a good Christian. My name is on the roll, but my name on the roll doesn't make me any better of a Christian just because my name's on the roll. You know what makes me a better Christian? When I come to church and I serve God, and I get right with God, and I give, and I worship, and I do at church the things that we're supposed to do to worship God. But just because somebody says, I go to church. Oh, I've heard that before. I don't, I don't do this a lot. I used to in my younger days. People would say, I go to such and such a church. I used to, I used to ask, uh, who's the pastor over there? That was awesome. You know why? Most people that said they went to church, they didn't go. And to prove it, they didn't know the name of the pastor. I mean, they didn't have the foggiest. And I think sometimes we hold on to things like, well, my church. And I love my church. Don't get me wrong. I love this church. I'm so thankful for this church. And it's not because I'm the pastor. It's because of the people of this church. I love Victory Baptist Church. And I'm so thankful. And I believe we are, as a church, we are striving to be a church that brings glory to God and brings people to Christ and makes a difference in our community. But just because I go to Victory Baptist Church and I put a sticker on the back of my car that says Victory Baptist Church, that doesn't make me more spiritual. Just because my uh, mom and my dad we're in the ministry, and my mom, who still is in the ministry, but my dad, who was a pastor, I can't say, well, you know, my family, 
My family really love God, so I'm good. Oh, no. I've got to love God for myself. I've got to walk with God for myself. I've got to get to know God for myself. And these people, they were trusting in the temple. Oh, Solomon built this beautiful temple. And oh, back in the good old days. And oh, this was wonderful. Jeremiah says, hey, that's not going to cut it now. What about you? What about me? God was giving them time and opportunity to get things amended, to get things right before it was too late. It says in verse number 7, if you will do these things, God says, I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Now, I want you to think about this. The promise of God was not a new place. The promise of God was to let them dwell in the same place where God had blessed them. Now, that's sobering to me because God's people did not just inherit God's blessing. They didn't just automatically get grandfathered in. Well, because our parents serve God, because our grandparents serve God, we'll just kind of sail along. God said, oh no, if you don't amend your ways, if you don't get right with me, I will not allow you to continue in this place. Now, I'm thankful that God has blessed this place. And I tell you, God is not obligated to bless this place in 2020 just because he did it in 2019. You know what God will do? He will bless if we will obey. You see, blessing is always a result of obedience, but a curse is the result of disobedience. God has blessed, and I'm thankful for my marriage. I'm thankful for my wife. But can I tell you, just because God has blessed in the past, that does not mean that I don't have to try to work to be a husband that's pleasing to God and a, a father that's pleasing to God and a, a man of God that walks with God. Can I tell you, I'm thankful for the blessings of God, but I can't ever take those for granted. I, I, God doesn't owe me anything. God has blessed me, and God has been so good, and God gives us salvation. And when you have salvation, you can never lose that. But the blessing of God can be forfeited if you and I don't stay right with God. You say, well, I can't believe God would do that. I can't believe God would send his son to die on the cross and pay for my sin. I can't believe God would save me in the first place. Everything else is bonus. Everything on top of that is far more than we could ever imagine or deserve. But they use that temple of the Lord. I, some Bible scholars believe because they were supposed to go three times in the year. They said it, he, Jeremiah said it three times, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. This is what you guys say, the temple of the Lord. But their worship of God was not inward. It was outward. It was external. Verse five, God wanted them to get things right. We'll go through quickly to execute judgment not oppress the stranger and the fatherless and the widow to be compassionate on people and, and kind to people and not to shed innocent blood and not to walk after other gods. Verse 7, God promised that his people would dwell in the land forever if they amended their doings, if they obeyed. Not only would they be blessed, but their children could experience blessing. 
Notice verse number eight again. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. I want to say this. Be very careful that what you put your confidence in, be very careful that what you put your confidence in is actually true. Just because somebody has some great idea or somebody says, well, I think you ought to do this, you better go and make sure that the Scripture backs it up and better make sure it's true from the Word of God. Verse 9, will ye steal and murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not and come and stand before me in this house? which is called by my name and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. God says, hang on, you're going to go out and you're going to commit all these sins and then you're going to come back to the temple and you're going to say, God delivered us so we could do all of this wickedness. Oh no, God didn't save you to sin. God saved you and God saved me to be holy. God saved us from the world, not for us to go back to the world, but for us to reach the world and to make a difference in this world. God's people had wandered far. Notice verse number 11. The Bible says in Jeremiah 7 and verse number 11, is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. Jesus used this, uh, this uh, phrase in the New Testament when he drove out the money changers. And he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer and ye have made it a den of thieves or robbers. God's people had made the temple. They had made it all about self-gain and made it all about how they could be benefited. And God saw it and God was not fooled. Verse number 13 and now, because ye have done all these things, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, Jeremiah said, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not, and I called, and ye answered not. They would not listen. They would not respond. They would not obey the warnings from God. Verse number 14. Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. Now that's interesting because the temple here in Jeremiah 7, this was Solomon's temple, it was in Jerusalem, that David had prepared all the materials, but God would not allow David to build it, and so Solomon built it. But God says that I will do to this temple like what happened to Shiloh. Would you turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And I'm going to probably close with this thought in the next 20 or 30 minutes. 1 Samuel, you know, a thought, that, that could be, a, could be a, an, that's an interesting uh, word. But 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says in verse number 21, now the setting here, is there's a man by the name of Eli who is the priest, right? Eli had two sons who were wicked, who um, were, were immoral. They stole from the offering. They were immoral in the temple. They were, they were the assistant pastors. They were the youth pastors. They were the workers in the church. They were the pastor's sons. 
and they were making a mockery of the things of God. And guess where the temple was? It was in Shiloh. Verse 21, and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That's where God spoke to Samuel when he was in the temple there serving under Eli. Then we get to verse no, chapter number 4. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 4, something happened. The children of Israel went to, went to battle against the Philistines. They went to battle and they were losing the battle. And as they were losing, they got desperate and somebody said, let's go get the ark of God. Now the ark of God was holy. It was sacred. That was, the, that was a, the presence of God. The tables of stone were in that ark. And that was, the, uh, that was the, where, where the Spirit of God uh, came and rested over that tabernacle. And now it's in the temple there in Shiloh. And they went and they took that ark of the covenant. And they said, we're going to carry this into the battle. Because certainly we will not lose a battle if we've got the ark of the covenant. Certainly, God will be obligated to bless us if we've got the Ark of the Covenant. Certainly. Well, they were certainly wrong because the Bible tells us that they lost the battle. The Bible tells us in verse number 10 of 1 Samuel 4, the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten and they fled every man into his tent and there was a very great slaughter for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. 30,000 were killed. But verse 11, it says, and the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. Word got back to Eli. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 4, that when Eli got word, says in verse number 18, and it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck break and he died. And he was an old man and heavy. He had judged Israel for 40 years. The messenger came back to Eli and said, Eli, we lost the battle. Eli, 30,000 are dead. Our, our soldiers have been killed and your sons are dead. And the ark of God is gone. When the messenger said that, Eli fell backward and he broke his neck and died when he heard that they had lost the presence of God. I tell you, the presence of God at one time was in Shiloh, but it was removed. It was removed because God's people stopped living holy, and God's people stopped worshiping, and God's people stopped listening and obeying God. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 21, one of Eli's daughters-in-law that was uh, expecting and she heard the news and the Bible says that she gave birth and she named the child Ichabod saying the glory is departed from Israel because the ark of God was taken and because of her father-in-law and her husband and she said the glory is departed from Israel for the ark of God is taken. Can I tell you what is so, so scary to me? 
What is so sobering to me is to think that although God has blessed in the past, and I'm so thankful He has, but I could take you to some places where God blessed in the past, but God's no longer blessing. I could take you to some church buildings like that. I could take you to some places where at one time you would have thought it's going to be like this forever. But friend, God is not obligated to a place. God is not obligated to a people. Now hear me out. I understand we're even talking about God's chosen people. And he let them go into captivity for 70 years. He allowed the temple at Jerusalem to be destroyed and plundered and burned to the ground. Because God's not obligated to a group of people. God's not obligated to the members of Victory Baptist Church. God's not obligated to Pastor Coburnett. God's not obligated to our staff. God's not obligated to this property. But we are obligated to obey Him. And we are commanded to follow Him. And we are challenged to stay close to Him and to walk with Him. And as we follow Him, we can experience his blessing. And that is my prayer, not just for me and not just for you, but for our children that are coming after us. It is my prayer that we'll have a church to pass down to our children and grandchildren and continue. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.